this is Josh Marshall, and this is the Josh Marshall Podcast. Uh, this is a special uh, micro-pod edition of the Josh Marshall Podcast. We're recording on Friday, just doing a quick impromptu episode of the show. And what we're going to talk about is, uh, you know, trying to find out where different senators stand on passing this uh, row bill and also uh, suspending the filibuster rules to make it possible for it to get an up or down vote. We've been talking about this a lot on the site. Uh, in case you're not a TPM reader, just wanted to give you a basic sense of what we're talking about. So uh, there's been a number of things have happened in the last 48 hours or so, and we're going to run through those quickly, uh, Kate Rika, my co-host and I, and uh, specifically uh, some of the work that Kate has done on basically, you know, find, trying to find out specifically where people stand, calling up offices and so forth. We've been kind of working together on that or, or exchanging notes. So uh, we just did a post and we were sort of going through, you know, what responses has everybody given? Now, uh, yesterday, Kate reached out to a number of Senate offices uh, in, you know, basically, you know, in the morning. Uh, Yesterday afternoon, Senator Feinstein released a statement saying, you know, she's down with it. She's on board, Mm -hmm. you know, clarified that. And then uh, Senator Casey's office uh, responded specifically to Kate and gave her the, the, the scoop that he is on board as well. And so those we know, those were, you know, we both reported those yesterday on the site. And we're now we're going to talk about the other responses or non-responses that Kate got. So, Kate, let's just, let's go through the list first of who all did you reach out to yesterday? Yeah. So, Feinstein, Casey, uh, Angus King of Maine, Chris Coons, um, John Tester, and Mark Warner. Wait, Mark Warner or Kane or Senator Kane? Is it Warner? I, maybe both. I was confused. Oh, both of them. Okay, got mm-hmm. it, got it, got it. All right, so uh, we just did a post on King. So King's office kind of, they just haven't responded yet. Like you got in touch with them, but they, they're just kind of crickets for the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's go through. And then there were there were a few others who, and, and it's important, I don't want to make excuses for anybody, but Congress is on recess right now. And sometimes, you know, the member just jets off to somewhere, or they're with their family or something like that. And, you know, staff isn't all in the same place. So sometimes it's harder for staff to get a clear answer. Mm-hmm. But as I just said, in like a post, like this isn't like, you know, this isn't the barley subsidy on the new ag bill, right? This is a pretty mm-hmm. big issue right now. So who, which are the ones that just you haven't heard back from at all? So haven't heard back at all from Tester, Coons, Warner. Yeah, well, it seems like that just leaves Kane for, of, of, of what right. we've heard from the different people. So what happened with, with Senator Kane? This is a junior senator from Virginia. Yeah, so for Kane, we... We got a response from his spokesperson who kind of uh, sent it in two parts. First, a statement in Kane's voice where he says, I've supported filibuster reform to make the Senate work better for all of us, but our efforts to do that earlier this year didn't have the votes. Right now, I'm focused on finding bipartisan common ground to codify the right to choose, which the vast majority of Americans support. So I kind of like pushed on that a little bit to be like, OK, great, thanks. Um, am I am I reading this correctly to to take away that, you know, Kane would prefer a bipartisan, you know, road to codifying abortion rights, but that he will vote for a filibuster carve out if it's necessary to pass abortion rights. And then the spokesperson responded with Senator Kane supports returning to the traditional Senate talking filibuster, which always allowed passage of legislation following full debate by a simple majority. So it didn't really 
address kind of the specific thing that we're doing this exercise for, which is, you know, trying to link amenability to filibuster reform specifically for codifying abortion rights. And and just to be clear for, I mean, one of the, one of the things that, as Kate says, that we're trying to do here is to get things down to very specific deliverable. So there's not ambiguity. And, uh, you know, what the traditional, I mean, I know what Senator Kane's talking about. It used to be that you, you know, basically the way the filibuster worked in most cases is you could gum up the works for a while and you could just sort of hold the floor, but you couldn't do it forever. Eventually, a bill's going to get a vote, but that's kind of vague. And the talking filibuster doesn't have a really specific meaning. And what we're talking about here really is at the end of the day, and by end of the day, we mean like after a week or two, that this bill is going to get an up or down vote, a majority vote. You know, if it takes a week when, I don't know, Ted Cruz wants to stand up and read the phone book for a week, like, okay, Mm -hmm. that's not my cup of tea, but whatever. We don't care about that. We're talking about, does it get an up or down vote? And with Kane, it's like, I think we both think he's probably going to be there. He was on a voting rights uh, bill uh, earlier this year, but it's not clear cut. And in political terms, that's just... People need clarity right now. They need total clarity. Yeah, I think this is a key point that we discussed um, before we started recording. But, you know, we're not trying to suggest with any of this that like Tim Kaine is the new Joe Manchin. You know, kind of the behavior that Manchin and Cinema exhibit is it's extreme. You know, it's it's kind of wildly out of the mainstream. And most Democrats in the party are solidly within the mainstream. So the question is not so much will Tim Kaine be the last remaining senator who prevents abortion rights from being codified when there's an avenue to do so? You know, the idea is just more, if you're going to have this compelling midterms message of we need two more senators and to retain the House, that's an easier plug to make when you've got all the 48 on the record, rather than kind of trying to corral people in with these squishy statements. And then you get what we had for the voting rights bill, which was this preponderance of pieces that were like, I, some of them were disingenuous in my opinion, but that were like, you know, there is a silent, a silent group of no's. It's not just Mansion and Cinema. There are other holdouts. We just don't know who they are. And that ended up not being the case. Like our, our actual tracker on this was completely right, that there were 48 votes for it ultimately. But that in itself, that's demoralizing this idea that Democrats might be for this, but they won't, they sure as hell won't commit to it. And I think it's extra demoralizing when the base is facing this kind of cataclysmic rollback of abortion rights, which is going to be detrimental to women's health in all kinds of ways. And then you can't even get people who support filibuster reform and who support abortion rights to just link the two. Yeah, I mean, I I think my way of looking at this is that I have little doubt that there are probably a handful of Democratic senators of, you know, of the functional Democratic senators, the 48, I'm not even talking about Manchin or Cinema, but I think there probably are a handful of them who, who basically say to themselves, I wish we weren't here. I wish we weren't here where we cannot, we cannot pass any legislation at all unless we get rid of this sort of procedural rule of how the Senate works. I wish, you know, I wish we weren't here. I buy that, but I'm pretty sure that 48 of them, when they are there, they are not going to be willing to say, you know, uh, abortion rights are great, but man, filibuster, 
that's where the, you know, that's my thing. That, I don't think that's going to happen, but you do need it to be in political terms. You need it to be clear. And the other point is, it's not just a matter of, you know, what works in a, in a political campaign. This is a core, core issue. It is, it is the issue facing the country right now. I mean, there are other issues, but certainly right now, certainly for Democrats, it is the issue. And voters are owed just a really clear position. At the end of the day, are you going to let this get an up or down vote? That's not, you know, that's not being pushy. Everybody should get a, get, a, get a clear answer. And I think you can, you know, obviously Twitter is not real life, but you can kind of gauge a little bit that this is important for people to hear based on kind of the reaction to the Feinstein statement yesterday or, um, you know, what I tweeted about Casey, just like for Feinstein, you know, she's a Senate institutionalist. And for Casey, he's the son of the Casey of Casey versus Planned Parenthood and has kind of long staked his political identity on being one of the last lingering anti-abortion Democrats. So like pro-life royalty almost. I mean, literally exactly. just in that, that, that role of that family, that political family in Pennsylvania. Right. And so I think both of those are kind of these big milestones for people who are watching because it does, it gives them a shot of like, okay, wow, you know, abortion rights are more important to, you know, Feinstein than her love of the old way the Senate functions or more important to Casey than this, you know, lifelong persona he and, you know, genuinely held beliefs that he has. And I think that fires people up a little bit because it it just it feels different than what the Democratic reaction has felt like a lot, which is kind of, oh, shucks. Well, we were sure unprepared for this one. What a bummer. Or like, we're going to keep fighting. Yep. <laughs> you know, kind of like, okay, like keep fighting, but are you going to win ever? Right. Like, is, is that possible that's going to happen? And I think, you know, people, I mean, the big shock, he, wait, not shock in the sense of surprise, but the big hit here is just that half the population just lost this basic right that they have enjoyed for about half a century. But I think a compounding thing is people feel like, is there a connection between what I do and there being a result? Like, am, am I just like shadow boxing here? And, you know, I think what kind of gets people energized about, you know, Roe and reform is kind of like, okay, there's this really steep hill, you know, winning this midterm election for all the reasons we know, but it's not impossible. And if we were to accomplish that, this big, terrible thing that just happened would be undone. And like, wow, okay, maybe there is a connection between what I do mm -hmm. and results. And that's, that's, that's a very key thing. So we're, we're just doing a quick episode today, but I want to ask you, and, and I think this is for listeners who it would be interested to hear this. You're talking to these offices. You call up, you talk to the press secretary, talk to the communications director, ask them the question, get responses. Um, for people on the outside and outside in the sense they're not talking to the offices in that sense. You can call as a constituent, but it's a different thing. Just give us a give us a flavor of what of how those conversations are going on this issue. Do you get a sense of people, you know, uh, staffers get that this is kind of the issue right now? Or are they indifferent? Or just, just give us a flavor of how those conversations go. It's always a funny dynamic working with press offices because their primary function is to make their boss look good and to avoid things that make their boss look bad. And as we discussed on our full-length pod this week, senators do not like having their wiggle room 
tugged out from under them. You know, they like room to maneuver whether or not they think they're going to have to use that room. And nailing down the specifics of something like this, you know, a question that I'm asking as explicitly as should Democrats hold the Senate through the midterms and have the votes to reform the filibuster to codify Roe, you know, will your boss vote for it? That leaves no wiggle room at all. And that's just something that nobody on that side of the equation is comfortable with. So, you know, it's been a matter of often kind of getting these initial statements that are like, well, so-and-so has long supported filibuster reform. And here's some stories that show you that. And it's like, right. Okay, great. So (laughs) does he support filibuster reform for passing abortion rights, you know? And I, I by this point, I've had both things. I've had both the, yep supports that too. And then also the, like I said, he supports filibuster reform, kind of the circuitous thing. But I think the thing that is so weird about Senate brain to outsiders, you know, counting myself among them is just like, so you've got Senator X, right, who supports abortion rights and has been vocal about that and who supports filibuster reform and has been vocal about that. So there's no policy stance that splits that baby. Like they- already there, but they exactly. won't say it. Right, but there's right. just this this hatred of kind of like getting out in front of the ball and this really, it's like when there's a group of people and no one wants to be in the front. So everyone's just kind of jockeying around to be a safe layer back. You know, that's what it feels like. And, um, and, that, and that's what it is. Yeah. That, that is what it is. No one wants to be the first, but, but people who care about this issue have a huge interest in everybody's got to sign up every last person. And I think on the on the sort of the Senate brain, Senate world issue, I think a big part of it, probably the biggest part of it is kind of, you know, it's sort of, I mean, <laughs> not to get into how uh, disorganized I am personally, but when people, you know, people will ask me like, hey, can you come on a show, you know, two Tuesdays from now? Or can you do this? Can, I'm like, oh man, I can't, I don't know what I'm going to be doing in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Don't, you know, I, I need my freedom from, <laughs> it's obviously, it, this is, that is a much more trivial thing, but people don't want to be pinned down. I don't know what's going to happen after the election. I don't know what this going to that. Now you've said I've made this categorical statement. I don't want to do it. But the other thing I think is that they are in Senate world. And I think if they were to speak with you, um, you know, kind of candidly off the record or kind of how the senator, actual senator's brain works, they're like, obviously, I'm, I'll, I'll be there if I need to be on that. And like, you know, I'm, I'm not a big filibuster person. So wh- why, why are you making such a big deal about me making some categorical statement when we already know? Like, mm-hmm. why are you like, you're checking a box? What's that about? And like, okay, I, you know, to the extent that you kind of think like, oh, I live in a world of 100 senators and we have this little room, this fancy room with fancy desks and we all talk and do this and do that. Like, okay, I get that. But like, that's not really, that's not the reality. The reality is you're there because of voters and voters really need you to say 100%. I promise I'm going to do exactly this because, you know, we've spent the last year where, you know, Democrats are in the majority and yet the things they supposedly support don't happen. And I think those of us who sweat the details of politics know like, well, all right, you got these two holdouts and they're just stuck. But like most folks, like what? Like most, that's, you know, you, you just, you need to kind of give that absolute certainty to, to create um, confidence. Yeah. Just the other thing I was going to add to that is like Biden held a press conference today where he unveiled his uh, executive action to kind of protect reproductive rights, which, you know, had some important stuff in it, but it was very 
broad strokes. And I think a lot of this is going to come down to the details of implementation. But he said the biggest running theme of it was like, we need you to vote. The the court is daring you to take electoral action. If women show up in a big way, that's going to be a game changer. And I think that's right. But the, the thing about the Senate here that gets me is like, okay, so you're asking people, you're asking women who have just had like a right to bodily autonomy stripped out from under them to go out and vote, right? You're, you're asking them to do this, no matter how hard it is in their particular states and whatnot. You, it feels to me like you owe them in response, the very least, the joining of two positions you already support, which is not like for most senators. And, you know, I you got to give Bob Casey credit here because I think it was the hardest for him. But you got to at least in response be like, and if you do that for us, for me, for women, I will do what I can in response, which is to make sure that we pass a law codifying road. That to me seems like a fair exchange of what everyone involved is able to do. So I just think, you know, even from that perspective, it's just you got if you're asking people to go out and vote for you again after they just did, the least you can do is kind of offer them and I'll I'll be I'll be there for you if that happens. Yeah. It's it's it really is a basic kind of respect issue. Yeah. If you're saying you got to vote, everything is on the line. It's so important. You have to do it. I think as a sort of a notional voter, you say like, okay, like, can you just promise? Mm-hmm. Can you just say specifically, and I will do this? If you come back and say, oh, well, well, hey, Senate, hey, we don't, we don't, there's a certain way we do things. Like, okay, man, like, it's just, it's like a disrespect. And you really have to do that. All right. So let, let, let's wrap up. So who are the senators so right now who, you know, whether they're uh, chilling in Tahiti or uh, trying to play games, we have not heard yet from on this issue of the of the group that, that you reached out to yesterday. So Coons, Tester, Warner, King. Right. All right. Those are the ones. So if you're in those states, if you care about this, you might want to give, you know, you can, you can, it's your right to give your uh, senator a call. This has been a uh, quick edition of the Josh Marshall podcast with uh, me, Josh Marshall, and my co-host, Kate Riga. And uh, if you like what you've heard, we have a podcast comes out every week on Wednesdays, usually Wednesdays, unless we've got some, something comes up and we have to switch Mm -hmm. around. So, uh, you know, that, that thing, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and uh, we will talk to you again next Wednesday. All Later. right. See you next week. The Josh Marshall podcast is hosted by me, TPM reporter Kate Riga and TPM founder, editor-in-chief Josh Marshall. The show is produced by Jackie Wilhelm. Thanks to Why Not Jansfeld for our podcast theme song. And thanks to all our TPM members who make this possible. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you listen.